Well, we're in Nehemiah chapter 10, and as you, with a cursory glance, you look at all these names. You say, man, we're going to read those? Yeah, we're going to read those. There's something important here. And I prayed how to get this across and asked God how to do that to our hearts tonight. All these names that you're looking at in chapter 10 are a representation of a covenant, a commitment that these men that we're going to read about tonight were willing to sign their names to. You know, a, a lot of people talk about things they love and they're committed to. It's nothing you sign your name to something. And the last verse of Nehemiah, 9, Nehemiah chapter 9, and of course God has been working a great revival in their heart all the way back since we started reading in chapter 8. And what they do is at the end of chapter 9 verse 38, because, all, because of all this we make a sure covenant. We preached on why they were making a commitment. They made a covenant. You know, it's almost ridiculous now. I even had, I had a family years ago. Actually, it was here, probably the first year I was here. And a family visited, and my wife and I took the man and the wife out to eat. And we tried to talk to them. And they, the first question that was burning on their heart is, they wanted to know if we had a church covenant. And I didn't quite understand that. I said, well, you want to know what we believe? No, I, we want to know if you have a church covenant. And I, I said, well, why do you want to know that? They, they said, well, if you have a church covenant, we're not coming there. And, and I really didn't understand what, what the deal was. You know, guys, everybody's got a deal about something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so as a pastor, you, you, you don't know which side. You want us to have one. You don't want us to have one. Uh, they were upset about the fact that they're probably listening on the internet. I don't know. So, but they said, you know, the church we've been to, they put it on the wall and, and all this. And we just don't want to be a part of that. And I thought, okay. I said, we don't have one that I know of. <laughs> uh, But the reason I think probably those churches did that is because there wanted to be some kind of commitment among the people about how we're going to live and what we're going to believe because we do affect each other. And they're making a covenant here. And they're going to seal to it. You see that end of verse 38? Seal unto it. So it's like they took their name like in the old days and they sealed their name in this document, in this covenant about what they're committing to do. And as we read these names, this is not a light thing. This is a deep commitment toward God and this remnant that needs each other? Are you with me? They really desperately need each other. They want God's help 
They need God's hand. And so they bring out this document and they begin, many of them, to sign it and to seal it. And let's start picking up verse number one. The Bible says, now those that sealed were, I like that, don't you? Nehemiah. He stops everybody and says, whoa, whoa, my name's going to be on there first. The guy that came from the palace, the guy that was going to have to go back to the palace to keep his word to the king, he said, I, I, I will be the first one to make this commitment. It almost reminds me of our Declaration of Independence. You know everybody didn't sign that document. There was a cost to sign that document. And John Hancock, where we get all that, you know, put your, sign your John Hancock on it. Why is his name so big? He wanted the king to see his name first. That's right. He didn't want to be lost in all of the names. He wanted his name to stick out and let that king know, hey, this is where my loyalties lie. And that's great for our country. This is great for the Jews. But what about God's people? What about the church having some type of deeper commitment like that? He said in verse 1, Now those that sealed were Nehemiah, the Tirshatha, the son of Hakaliah, and Zidkijah, Sarahiah, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pasher, Amariah, Malkijah, Hatush, Shebaniah, Maluk, Haram, Merimoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Ginnathon, Baruch, Mishalem, Abijah, Mejamin, Meaziah, Bilgai, or however you say his name, Shimeiah, these were the priests and the Levites, both Jeshua the son of Azaniah, Benui of the sons of Hinadad, Cadmiel and their brethren, Shebaniah, Hodijah, Kalita, Pelaiah, Hanan, Micah, Rehob, Hashabiah, Zacher, Sherebiah, Shebaniah, Hodijah, Bani, Benanu, the chief of the people, Perish, Peath, Moab, Elam, Zethu, Bani, Bunai, Asgad, Babai, Adonijah, Bigvai, Aden, Ater, Hiskijah, Azer, Hodijah, Hashem, Bzei, Hareph, Anathoth, Nebai, Magpiash, Mishlam, Hezer, Meshezabiel, Zadok, Jadua, Pelatiah, Hanan, Ananiah, Hoshea, Hananiah, Hashab, Haloish, Pelaha, Shobek, Rehum, Hashab, Nah, Maaseah, and Ahijah, Hanan, Anan, Maluk, Haram, Baana. And the rest of the people, <laughs> the priests, the Levites, the porters, the singers, the Nethanims, and all they that had separated themselves from the people of the lands unto the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone having knowledge and having understanding, they claved to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God. 
and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God and His judgments and His statutes. And that we would not give our daughters unto the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. And if the people of the land bring ware or any victuals on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy it of them on the Sabbath or on the holy day. And that we would leave the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. Also, we made ordinance for us to charge ourselves yearly with the third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. For the showbread and for the continual burnt, excuse me, meat offering and for the continual burnt offering of the Sabbaths of the new moons for the set feasts and for the holy things and for the sin offerings to make an atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. And we cast the lots among the priests, the Levites and the people for the wood offering to bring it into the house of our God after the houses of our fathers at times appointed year by year to burn upon the altar of our of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law, and to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of all trees year by year unto the house of the Lord. Also the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstlings of our herds and of our flocks, to bring to the house of our God and to the priests that minister in the house of our God, that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and our offerings. And the fruit of all manner of trees, of wine, of oil, and of the priest to the chambers of the house of our God. And the tithes of our ground unto the Levites, that the same Levites might have the tithes in all the cities of our tillage. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites take tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes unto the house of our God, to the chambers and to the treasure house. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn, of the new wine, and the oil unto the chambers where are the vessels of the sanctuary, and the priests that minister, and the porters, and the singers. And we will not forsake the house of our God. My question is, would you sign your name? And when you sign your name to something, you need to know what you're signing. You know what I appreciate about God? He doesn't have fine print. We sort of got caught in that here, didn't we, as a church? You know what I'm glad about God? He puts it in black and white and just sticks it right there. He's not trying to trick you. God's not trying to trick us. He's very upfront. If you want Him, you can have Him. If you don't want Him, that's fine. If you want to be committed to what He wants you to do, He will welcome you and, and let you know right up front. That's why He's given us a Bible. That's why He's given us the Word of God. He's not, he's not trying to change the rules on us. He's very upfront with us. No one's made to do this in this text. Do you see this? They're not forcing people to sign this covenant, this agreement, this commitment to God. And yet it was very necessary. And so I would say, first of all, when I ask you, would you sign? What are we signing? 
What are we putting our name to? What are we sealing to? The first thing, if you look at it in verse number 28, the Bible said the rest of the people and the priests, the Levites, the porters, the singers, the Nethanims, and all they that had separated themselves from the people of the lands unto the law of God. The first thing that they covenanted about was they were going to, they were not going to live like the people of the lands. They, they were committing a life of separation. Now, we don't do this at our church. I, now, there's a church my, my wife was a member of that was different when she was a little girl. The pastor would come over to your house to see how you were living. I'm not going to do that. If you can't do that for God, it don't matter if you do that for anybody else. Well, check up on people. See if they're living a separated life. Can I, can I ask you a question? Are you willing to sign your name that you're not going to live like those people out there in the land that don't even know God? Will you make that commitment? They, they're signing their name. We're not going to live the way the people in the land live. What a commitment. Their values aren't going to be my values. Their lifestyle is not going to be my lifestyle. I'm not going to participate in what they participate in. My family's not going to be like their family. And, and, and I don't think that was, that was for a pride reason. I, I don't think we ought to live differently and say we're going to live separated lives just so we can put our head up like a peacock and say we're better than people. We're, we're not better than anybody. All of us deserve right. to go to hell. We're all sinners. But if we don't live differently from the people of the lands, then our families are going to have no more help than their destructive lives are out there. Would you sign? You say, what am I signing? Just that you're not going to live like that out there. Well, tell me what that means. Well, does it matter what that means? I will live a life of separation unto the Lord. I, I, will, I will live like a, ch- a child of God. Children of the devil and children of God. There, there should be no question that, that the difference between the two, their lives should be very evident. Your speech should be evident. Your hobbies, your likes, your dislikes, it should be evident. What you listen to, what you watch, how you dress, how you talk. I mean, you're just... Your life ought to be different from the people of the land because you're saved. Now, the question is, will you sign to that? It's one thing to say, yes, we want to do that. It's another thing for you to take your name and seal it with your ring, amen, and put it in wax so that the king and everybody in the world can know, hey, I'm committed to this. Because as soon as you're not, somebody's going to call you, hey, I thought you put your name on there. They were signing a covenant of separation. But not just from separation. Would you look back to verse 28? Because I think sometimes, at least in the past of our movement, we have, we've missed the rest of this story. It's not just separating from, though that is part of this commitment. Would you look at verse 28 again? And the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the porters, the singers, the Nethanims, and all they that had separated themselves from the people of the lands. What's the next word? unto the law of God. It is not enough to separate from something. 
You have got to be separated unto the Lord. It's not enough to take the things of the world out of your home. You have got to put in the good things of God into your home. It's not enough to tell your kids and your family, we're not going to do this and we're not going to do it. You have got to put unto something in there to put in its place. This is a separation not just from something, but it's unto the law of their God. It's unto the things of the Lord. It's a commitment not just away from something, but unto something. May we never be any more excited or zealous about keeping away from the things of the people of the land than we are zealous about our commitment to our God and our love and excitement and service to Him. May it never be out of whack. Because separation is not just one-way street. It's a separation unto God. Not just from the people of the lands. The second thing I see, verse 29. What about that? We're already on verse 29 in this chapter. <laughs> they clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered, this is, this is amazing, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and his judgments and his statutes. They even put themselves under a curse if they were not going to do this. It just shows the level of their commitment. This is not just some fly-by-night thing that they're talking about. They're putting themselves under a curse to walk in the ways of God. But I'm intrigued about that first line of verse 29. They clave to their brethren, their nobles. They're making a... Listen to me, guys. They're making a commitment to stay together. Do you understand when you're a remnant how important it is for you to stay together? You understand the more in the minority, Bible-believing, God-loving, God-fearing, Bible-practicing people, the longer these things go, the more the minority that you are in. And you know what the devil's, you know what his plan is? It's just like a lion in the jungle. He wants to separate you from the pack to eat you alive. Because I'm going to tell you, you can't make it outside the herd. You can lie to yourself all you want to. You cannot make it outside the herd. God did not make us to exist by ourselves on an island without His people. All those instructions in the New Testament is telling us to stay together. And the remnant, this little remnant, they need each other. And the Bible says they clave to their brethren. You know what that, you've heard of that word cleave before, haven't you? For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and... That's, well, that, that's serious, isn't it? They clave to their brethren. They say, I'll sign that. Not only to their brethren, they clave to their brethren and to their nobles. They made a commitment not just to one another, but to their leadership. And they said, okay, I'll sign my name on there because I know that we need one another. We built this wall, hallelujah, but we need each other. We've got to stay together. 
Will you sign your name to that? Would you commit to that? Saying, because look at the last verse. The Bible says the last verse of the chapter, for the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn, the new wine, the oil in the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers. And we will not forsake the house of our God. Do you know there are eight, eight times, eight times in this little chapter, it uses that phrase, the house of our God. We will not forsake. Then that sound just like the book of Hebrews? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. And so much the more as you see the what? The day approaching. You know why? Because as the day approaches that we leave here, the remnant is smaller and smaller and smaller. Which makes it more important to cleave, to cleave, to cleave. And I'm telling you just as well as I'm standing in this pulpit... That the devil works overtime in the lives of good church people to make a, a, a wedge, a void, and push people apart. He'll, do, he'll use anything possible to get you to quit cleaving. By the way, he'll do that, he'll do that in your marriage. The devil will, won't he? Because he didn't want you to cleave to your wife. He didn't want you to cleave to your husband. And so he'll use anything in the world to get you out of shape, get you out of sorts. To try to stop that close relationship. The devil can't stand it when a family's close together. And the devil can't stand it when the people of God have, have sealed, have signed their name. We are going to cleave to one another. And we're going to live and walk by the word of God. They didn't say we'll sign this as long as nobody offends me. Right? They didn't say I'll sign this. But give me a piece of paper so I'll make sure that nobody hurts me in this deal. I'm telling you, most people's commitment runs just as far as they get hurt. And when they get hurt, I'm out. That's true about family. That's true about church. That's true about everything. You know what we need to do? We need to take our feelings and put them in the drawer. Because if you live by your feelings, you're never going to have any life. Because you're going to get hurt to the day you die. That's just true. I wish it wasn't that way, but that's true. Do you think those people that signed that Declaration of Independence, you think they got hurt? They lost their houses. They lost their fortunes. Some of them lost their lives. They lost their families. Many of them lost their friends, their honor. Why? They put their name on there. But I don't think any of them came back and said, take my name off the, yes, off the document. No, Outside the Constitution, that's the most precious document we have in the United States of America. We wouldn't even be a nation tonight if somebody hadn't been willing to put their name on it. Right. A lot of talk, but put your name on it. And you are a nation. We have lived in freedom this long because there were some people that were willing to put their name on it. Regardless if they got hurt. Because you get hurt all, you get hurt at work, don't you? Is everything, does everything at your job go just like you want it to? Do you go to work every day and say, boy, I tell you what, I've never had a problem at work. Why don't you quit? I tell you why you don't quit, because you need the money. Right. Yep. You need something a whole lot more than money. Right. 
You need God. You need the house of God. You need the people of God. We need the blessing of God. It's worth cleaving to. They said, I'll sign. You might give it to me. I'll put my name there. And I'll even enter into a curse. Will you sign your name to separation? Will you sign your name to cleaving to your brethren? I see something else. Would you look at verse 30? How are we going to get personal? And that we would not give our daughters unto the people of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. They signed something about their children. They say, we are not, I'm not going to let my daughter, listen to me, I'm not going to give my daughter to somebody in that land. And I'm not going to give my son to one of those girls out there in that land. Now, here's the truth of the matter. When these young people reach a certain age, they're going to do whatever they want to do. And there's nothing you can do to stop them. In our society, when you turn 18 years of age, and really even before then, you, kids can do it. We don't tell them that. <laughs> but at 17-year-olds, a police officer usually don't even get involved. I know that's true. That's just society we live in. It's one thing for one of our children to choose to do and to go and to join themselves to somebody in that land. It's another thing for you to give them to that. Do you understand the difference? Just to give in. Oh, if you like her, okay. Is she saved? Does she go to church? Does she read her Bible? Does she live for God? Does she know how to pray? If she doesn't, what kind of wife do you think she's going to make you? There's a whole lot more to marriage outside your bedroom. Well, I, I like him, Mom. He's a nice young man. Really? Does he ever talk about Jesus? Does he love the Lord? Could we all make a covenant that to the best of our ability, we're not just going to turn our children over to people that do not love God and go along with it just because that's what they want? I got one married, two not married. And if the two that aren't married come to me and said, Dad, what about, I'm always going to go straight to the things of the Lord. Amen. I'm not just going to give a, well, yeah, you're 25, hurry up. <laughs> How stupid. Yes, sir. Would you make a commitment? I tell you what, not just give them over to marriage, but... I tell you what, most of these kids in church are long gone before they ever get to 17. Because we've already given them over to the people of the land. Their best friends are outside of church, not in church. What do you think that's going to produce? And I'm not saying that, that you can stop all that, but you can at least not give them over to that. 
You can protest. You can say, I'm not going along with that. No. We live in such a day where people worship their kids so much that they give them everything they want and you will ruin your child by not telling them no. And these people sign, I will not give my daughter, I will not give my son to that. That's big stuff. Because you know what? I bet they didn't even ask their kids what they thought about it. Their kids ain't signing. Daddy's signing. Will you sign your name to the separation, to the cleaving to your brethren, to this commitment with your ch- children? And, and again, it's just like there, there's, a, there's an opposite thing here, just like I talked about the separation. They're not just saying that they're not going to give them to the people of the land. Would you drop down with me, please, and look at verse number 36? Also the first of our sons and of our cattle, as is written in the law, and the firstlings of our herds and of our flocks, to bring to the house of our God and of the priests that minister in the house of our God. You know what they did with their, their firstborn? They brought them to the house of God. It's not just keeping your kids from, it's bringing them to. Do you see that? It, how did that work out for Hannah with her, with her child? There's probably not a parent in here that has half of a brain that would turn their child over to Eli. But I bet Samuel turned out better than every other child that's grown up in this church. What a great prophet. I'd say Hannah didn't look back on that deal with a broken heart. She brought that firstborn son to the house of God and gave him to that old backslidden priest with backslidden kids. Wicked kids. Now you try to figure that out. You can't if you stay up all night. But I tell you what's at the center of it. They're bringing, she's bringing him to God. She's giving him to God. I think sometimes we're not willing to turn loose of our kids to God. Give them to God. Will you make that commitment with your children? Maybe God will have them do something you don't want them to do. I'd rather them doing something for God than doing something out of the house of God. Mm. Mm. And by the way, if we want our children to stay in the house of God, we have got to stop. And I don't, I don't even know there's any problem. I, I, I mean, I'm in the text. I'm just preaching the Bible. That's the good thing about preaching the Bible. <laughs> Kids don't stay in the house of God when they've heard people criticize the house of God. If, you, if there's something wrong about the house of God... Talk to your husband, talk to your wife, come talk to the pastor, or talk to God. But for God's sake, don't talk to your kids. You've lost your mind. We're trying to keep them in the house of God. We're trying to get them to flourish in the house of God. Quit criticizing things in the house of God. It's foolish. They'll grow up despising it. 
Well, I just don't agree. Well, keep it to yourself. Don't tell them. Well, I'm afraid if I don't tell them. By telling them and being critical, you'll hurt them worse than whatever it is you're worried about. Amen, preacher. We want our kids not just to stay separate from the land. We want them planted in the house of God. And for them to love that, they've got to know you love that. They said, I'll sign that. There's my name. Not only that, verse 34. And we cast the lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people for the wood offering to bring it into the house of our God after the houses of our fathers at times appointed year by year to burn upon the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. They signed to service and they said, you know, we got a lot of work that needs to be done around here. And here's the truth about the children of Israel. When they're in the land and all that tabernacle worship, you know, they had, they had, they had, they had, can I say it? They had bond servants to do all that. They come in and they conquer the land and they conquer the people. Instead of killing them, they, they make them haul their wood for them. How many of you read that in the Bible? You read that in the Bible? Yeah. They come into the land and, and so there are people there that they conquer and so they carry the water. They do all the menial tasks. That's just what happened. You say, that's terrible. It's probably better than being dead. Pick your choice. (laughs) Haul wood or die. (laughs) That's not such a bad life, hauling wood. (laughs) But here's the deal. Now there's just a remnant of them. They look around and said, who's going to haul the wood? (laughs) Now you do understand that the worship of God in the Jewish economy, that they're burning every day. It don't matter, brother, if it's cold or hot outside. They're burning wood. Their sacrifices offered continually. You talk about wood. They said, who's going to do the work? They cast lots. They said, all right, let's put everybody's name in. I like this. This is good preaching. This is so good preaching. I just can't put everything into practice here in the church. (laughs) It'd be great. Because you know why? Everybody don't sign their name. When everybody signs their name, you know what you do? You can take everybody's name, put it in a bowl, and say, hey, we got, we got some wood to carry. Okay, let's pick some names, and whoever gets picked, they, they carry all the wood in January. All right, there are you. You're, you're January. You're January. All right, somebody else has got to help with all the ashes. How many of you have, have, have burned wood, like, permanently for heat? Isn't it so clean? Is that not a constant job? They're burning those sacrifices. What a pile of ashes all the time. Somebody's got to go carry those ashes out of there. Somebody's got to help with all the animals. God killed enough animals in the Old Testament to fill up zoos. Somebody's got to do all that work. Somebody's got to help these Levites. All right, who's going to bring the water? February, okay, here's your name, here's your name. You're a water carrier. You're a wood carrier. You're an ashes cleaner. Maybe we need to do that at Sweet Spring. You're a toilet cleaner. You're a nursery worker. 
there's another nursery worker and another nursery worker and another because we need lots of nursery workers. There's a fourth nursery worker. You're a teacher. You're a teacher's helper. You're a vacation Bible school worker. You're a jail ministry person. Right? I don't like that job. Maybe casting lots is more spiritual. Just saying. I don't think God's called me to that. We picked your name. The Holy Ghost picked your name out of the bowl. You know who has a problem with that? Somebody that's not signing. You got to do the barbecues because preacher's getting old. You got to do some parking lot work. You got to do some security work. Guys, you know what we do? I just have to be honest. You know what we do? We let people just do whatever they enjoy. But here's the problem. When you quit enjoying it, you're going to quit doing it. It isn't about you enjoying it. It's about the work of the house of God being done. And God, whatever you need me to do to help the work, I'm involved. I'm committed. Would you sign the service plan? Would you start the fires? Well, it gets worse. Sorry. They signed for something else. This is the dearest thing to the hearts of the American people. Verse 31. And if the people of the land bring ware or any victuals on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy it of them on the Sabbath or on the holy day, and that we would leave the seventh year and the exaction of every debt... They said, you know what? The things of God are going to be more important than our business. And since we're Jews, we observe the Sabbath. God made the Sabbath day for the Jew. Now, we are not under that law. Colossians 2 tells us that. We are not Sabbath keepers. We live a Sabbath. Our whole life is that. Jesus is our Sabbath. But for the Jewish economy, they had every day, every week, they had a Sabbath. They had a holy day. Usually that was a monthly thing. And then they had a seventh year, every seventh year. And here's what happened every seventh year. The Bible says the exaction of every debt. God said at the seventh year, whoever owes you anything, just write it off. It's Leviticus 25.4. They're signing about their their money. Yes, Lord, when it comes to seventh year, if somebody owes me something, I'm going to get rid of it. It's called the year of release. I just release you from that debt. Now, the bad thing is, if, if, you just, if, you, if somebody came indebted to you and next year was the year of release. You understand it? It's always the same year on the calendar. And so, the, the wheels get... Well, I'm going I'm to get the, the bad end of the deal here. Well, it's not about us getting the bad end of the deal. It's about us honoring God with what we have because all we have is His anyway. 
And they said, if people of the land come in on the Sabbath day to buy and sell, we're not, we're not going to partake in that. We're, because our business is not more important than God's business. Our business is not more important than God's business. And if I fail to buy something this week that I should have bought, when it comes in on the Sabbath, I'm not going to buy it because I am committed to doing what God told us as Jews to do. And I'm not going to do business on that day because God's business is more important than my business. Would you sign to that? That God's business is more important than your business. Keep reading. Verse 32. Also, we made ordinances for us. Watch this. To charge ourselves (laughs) yearly with the third part of a shekel for the service of the house of God. They, They made a commitment to bind themselves and charge themselves to give half a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of God. They made a commitment with their money. It goes more than that. Verse 33. For the showbread. I mean, somebody's got to buy the flour. Okay, your Levites buy the flour. No, no. We'll buy the flour. We'll sign and say we're going to take up a charge because we want to provide for the showbread, for the continual meat offering, for the continual burnt offering of the Sabbaths, of the new moons, for the set feasts, for the holy things, and for the sin offerings. They said we want to provide for all of those offerings of the house of God. And so we're going to set aside the money to make sure all God's offerings get taken care of. Verse 35. And to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of all trees year by year unto the, Lord, unto the house of the Lord. Guys, they're, they're committing to go out and when they gather stuff off their trees, they're going to bring the first fruits of it to the house of God off every tree. We already read also the firstborn of our sons, of our cattle. They brought the first of their cattle to the house of God. The firstlings of, of our herds, of our flocks to bring uh, to the house of our God. Verse 37, and that we should bring the first fruits of our dough. <laughs> they're making dough and they're bringing the first fruits of their dough to the house. They're signing to this. By the way, the first fruits are usually the best. Over in Greece, they'd have that, that first run of olive oil out of the trees. Oh, that was the best olive oil in the world. By the way, the Greeks are smart. They don't sell that to anybody else. <laughs> All that olive oil you buy in the store, that's like, that's the later run. They keep all the first for themselves. And I tell you what, the color's different and the taste is different. I'm getting excited just thinking about it here in the pulpit. The first, of the, I'm telling you, they'll bring it. If you go to a high expensive restaurant, they'll bring you that first fruits of that olive oil. Out of it. it is so olive green, the taste of it. There is, you, you can't even buy that in America. You know what they committed? They said the first of everything we have, we're going to sign to it and we're going to bring it to to the house of God. The first fruits of our dough. You got some dough. More than one kind of dough. And our offerings and the fruit of all manner of trees and wine and oil and the priests of the chambers of the house of our God and the tithes of our ground under the Levites that the same Levites might have the tithes in all the cities of our tillage. And the priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites take tithes and the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes under the house of our God to the chambers into the treasure house. 
You know what they signed to? They, they signed that they would give God their first fruits, that they would be faithful to God with their money, their business, with their tithing. And by the way, he expected even the Levites that received the tithes to tithe. That's why he said the tithe of the tithes. When the Levites got the tithes, then the Levites had to tithe off of what they got. That's Numbers 18, 26. Oh, is he going to preach on tithing? I might. You said, preacher, that's, that's for the Old Testament. No, 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 sorry. Unless you're a hyper-dispensationalist, which means that you don't believe the book of Hebrews is written to save people. If you don't believe that, I'm sorry for you. What said it's a Hebrews? Yeah, Romans is not just a Romans either. You know what Hebrews is about? It's about the other side of the resurrection, brother. It's not. It's not about the Old Testament side of the resurrection. And you know what Hebrews chapter seven says? It's a lesson for all of us. And I've just noticed this. I've noticed that people that give the first fruits to God, the Bible says, honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of all your increase. I've just noticed people that honor the Lord, God takes care of them. And people that have a problem with that, they always have a problem. I'm, I'm just telling you God's truth. Hebrews chapter 7 says, goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham didn't live under the law. And Abraham pays, paid tithes to a very special person. And the Bible said, Jesus said, if you were the children of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. You know what Galatians says to us that are saved? That we're the children of Abraham. Because he's the father of the faithful. He was justified by faith. Just like you. Just like me if you're saved. You know what Abraham did? In walks a guy. He says, who are you? He says, I'm the king of peace. You got another name? Yeah, the king of righteousness. (laughs) You got another name? Well, let me tell you, I had no beginning of days. And I have no ending of years. Well, who are you? I'm made like unto the Son of God. Abraham looked at that guy and said, I tell you what. God's given me a lot, but I'm going to give 10% to to you. I never met anybody like you. You are the priest of the Most High God. There wasn't any Old Testament priests Abraham could go to. But that man was the priest of the Most High God. You know what Hebrews chapter 7 is? Hebrews chapter 7 says this. You also, if you're saved, amen, if you know Christ as your Savior, you've got a priest too. And he lives up in heaven. And Hebrews chapter 7 says, we give tithes down here and he receives them up there. That's not talking about Judaism. That's talking about our great high priest that we have. What I'm telling you that Jesus Christ, my priest, deserves my first fruits. And I'll just be honest with you, I'm willing to sign to it. Nobody's ever asked me to do that. Get the pen out, get the wax. Amen. I want the devil to see the document and see my, my name in big print there so he knows where my loyalties lie. You say, what if it gets rough on you? You know, that remnant didn't have any promise of tomorrow. But they signed to it. We're committed to give 
and to make his business more important than our business. Last few years of our church, our church has had more financial than we've ever had in the history of the church. But guys, listen, it isn't about that. It's about your life and your heart. Because if he doesn't have that about you, he doesn't have your heart. The reason that they could commit to that, their heart was in that. The tithing wasn't a big deal. Because he had their heart. God, whatever comes off that tree, I'm going to bring you the first fruit. And whatever I get in that stable, I'm going to bring you the first fruit. And whatever money I have, I'm going to bring the first 10% to you. And I'm going to commit to that.